Do you love leading but hate all the stress it can bring? Being in a leadership role shouldn't ruin your life. You just need a guide to show you how to prevent those leadership fires before they start. And I am so excited to tell you that I've created the survival guide course you need to learn how to not only survive leadership, but thrive in leadership. And I even give you a workbook full of templates that you can plug and play at work tomorrow. So stop letting leadership stress get the best of you and enroll in my Leadership on the Rocks Survival Guide course today by clicking on the link in the show notes or by going to my website, leadershipontherocks.com and clicking the Enroll Now button. Again, that's leadershipontherocks.com and click the Enroll button. I'll see you in the course. grow with your company because you love the product, the industry, or the vision of the company. But at this point in time, what you really want is relief. Relief from chaos, relief from the stress of the day-to-day turmoil, relief from the fear that your company's going to fold, be sold, or the fear of losing your job. Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese, and in today's episode, we're going to learn about two of the four areas you can lead through to make a positive impact in helping your organization go from chaos in a nosedive to positive results that are soaring high in the right direction, no matter your current title within your organization. I love a good drama or action movie, (laughs) whether it's cutting edge dramas like Cast Away with Tom Hanks or a period piece like Braveheart with Mel Gibson or even the Netflix series like Manifest. I love stories that show problems, confusion or chaos and how all the main characters are going to work to overcome it. But while I love watching a good action movie on the TV or movie screen, I definitely don't want to live one out in real life. (laughs) While I might like watching the drama in action, there is no way I'd knowingly choose to subject myself to such chaos and stress. And like me, I'm sure you probably wouldn't choose to step into a scene of chaos either. Unfortunately, many of us at one point in our careers find ourselves in a situation where we are completely surrounded by chaos in our places of work. We find ourselves in an organization that has all the check engine lights flashing. It has the warning alarms sounding, the organizational health index taking a nosedive. And yes, people are even grabbing parachutes and jumping out of the plane. (laughs) Y'all, I've been there. I have worked in an organization where there's so much turnover in leadership and so much chaos because of that. I had five different bosses in six years of working for an organization. And it felt like absolute chaos. Every boss told us they wanted one thing only for them to leave and have a new boss come in to tell us to focus on something else. Our organization felt like we were sitting on a pendulum, just constantly swinging with every whim of every new boss. So in this episode, let's talk about how organizations come to this scene of chaos and what you can do in response. So both you and your organization don't crash and burn. First, let's briefly talk about how an organization or company gets to this level of chaos that is drama and action movie worthy. 
Now, chances are the chaos was created by one of these root causes. You know, first, maybe it was the company market or the industry market. Maybe your company is experiencing a major decline in the industry market and begins to panic at the problems and constraints. Some of the most famous instances in history where the industry market crashed are the stock market crash of 1929, the dot-com bubble in 2000, or the housing market in 2008, or, need I mention, (laughs) how the pandemic threw almost everybody into a chaotic whirlwind. Now, a second root cause could be company growth. Maybe your company provides a timely product or service, but it grew too fast, and now it's facing not only natural growing pains, but it doesn't have the company structure to sustain that pace of growth. Now, a third reason could be just company leadership. Maybe leaders of your company don't communicate, they don't plan ahead, and they don't analyze risks before making decisions. But they do play politics, they do become selfish in their decision-making, and they prioritize either themselves or their own departments that they lead over the organization as a whole. Or it could be number four. Maybe it's company culture. Maybe the people within the company culture are adopting beliefs and actions that are infecting the whole company with negativity like the blame game, harsh, bad, or even little communication. The belief of work over everything else, including work over your family. Now, this is a company culture that is truly focused on the sand elements of life and not the essential rocks. So no matter whether the chaos is caused by a lack of structure, a lack of communication, or a lack of positive culture, the leaders of the organization really are to blame. (laughs) Because here's what you need to know. Leaders are the first ones people look to for answers in time of hardship, chaos, and crisis. But they're also the first ones to be blamed. Leaders are and must be held accountable for the chaos. But now let's do some math here (laughs) and quick math in my head. Looking at the leadership of a company, really only a tiny percent of company leaders are in that C-suite level of a company, meaning very few leaders out there listening are actually in a chief position like chief executive officer or chief operating officer. Most of us are influential leaders because we're either a high-performing employee or we're a team or department lead or maybe we're in mid-management. But for most of you listening, you really do want to grow with your company because you love the product, the industry, or the vision of the company. But at this point in time, what you really want is relief. Relief from chaos. Relief from the stress of the day-to-day turmoil. Relief from the fear that your company is going to fold, be sold, or the fear of losing your job. Now, the short answer is that the executives and leaders of your company should lead the way out of crisis and lead the employees to stabilization and positive results. Unfortunately, some of you are working under leaders who either don't know how to lead or understand leadership but don't actually provide leadership. Now, John Maxwell says, and I love this quote, everything rises and falls on leadership. But knowing how to lead is only half the battle. Understanding leadership and actually leading are two different activities. I love that quote so much. I know you've heard it on this podcast before, but it's so true. So if you're in a situation where the big leaders of your organization aren't fixing the problems, or (laughs) maybe they're actually making it worse with their ineffective leadership, guys, you're in a real pickle out there. 
You're probably asking yourself, well, how can I, you know, an influential employee or maybe an influential lower level leader help turn the organization around when my executives aren't helping the situation? And maybe they're even causing the chaotic situation to begin with. So let's walk through that tough situation. Today, let's learn about two of the four areas that you can lead through to make a positive impact in helping your organization go from chaos in a nosedive to positive results that are soaring high in the right direction, no matter your current title within your organization. Back in episodes 13 and 14, I introduced the concepts of the five domains of impact or the five specific areas in which all leaders must work through to grow their influence for positive change. If you wanna make an impact in your chaotic organization, to help reverse its current trajectory on a downward spiral, then working through the first domains of impact is the way to go. But remember (laughs) that while the domains of impact are not created equal in their projected scope of influence, they are definitely linked so that one will cascade into the next. And as a leader's influence moves between each domain, it's going to scale or extend in audience size. So as you go to work each day, riding the chaotic turbulence of a dysfunctional or unstable organization that seems to be in a nosedive because of a lack of leadership at the upper levels, the best first action you can take is based on what all airline safety instructions are when you're flying. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. (laughs) Why do they say that? What could possibly be wrong with helping others first? Well, in the case of an airplane, oxygen masks are deployed in situations where the oxygen level has dropped dangerously low. Without your oxygen mask, you're gonna quickly lose consciousness. If you don't make putting on your mask first a priority, you're very likely not gonna be able to help anybody else. So like we've learned from our friendly flight attendants, the first action step you should take if your organizational plane is going through turbulence or even beginning to take a nosedive, it's to put the oxygen mask on yourself. And that starts with the domain of self. The domain of self focuses on identity, purpose, mindset, and emotional intelligence. Our identity is a huge part of our mental health. So those that are more confident in knowing who they are and what their purpose is are better able to withstand the crisis or attacks that come their way. So it's imperative to remind yourself that your identity, purpose, and even your skills are bigger than your current job title and your current paycheck. Even though your days are chaotic, putting out fires that the dysfunctional work culture and disorganized company created, You need to be able to mentally separate yourself from that dysfunction and that disorganization because your mindset or how you think about things affects your experiences. So part of self-care is practicing mindfulness or being aware of the present and how you think about it. When you spend your entire workday surrounded by a ton of negative stimuli, it can wear on your thoughts which leads to really strong and typically negative emotions. And strong emotions lead to even bigger actions, (laughs) or should I say reactions. As a leader in a negative and chaotic environment, 
it is more important than ever to put the oxygen mask on yourself. By learning how to reframe your thoughts so that they don't spiral out of control with negativity. And then you also need to practice emotional intelligence in which you identify and then manage the emotions that are welling up inside of you. By reframing and practicing emotional intelligence, you're going to better be able to respond to your environment instead of reacting to it. Now, in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he describes the concept of being able to identify your circle of concern and your circle of influence. Our circle of concern would consist of those things in which we have no real control over. You know, think the war in Ukraine that weighs on us, that we feel bad, but we don't have actual control over it. And then I also want you to think about your circle of influence. According to Covey, that consists of what you actually can control or have some influence over, something you can actually do something about. A great example of circle of influence is how you spend your workday. Now, how you either react with negative energy or respond with positive energy decides which circle you focus on and how big each circle actually is to you. According to Covey, your positive energy causes your circle of influence to increase meaning you're able to positively influence more people and more situations. However, reactive people who focus their negative efforts in the circle of concern are causing the circle of concern to increase, and then they end up feeling like a victim who has no control over most things in their lives because they've made their circle of concern huge and their circle of influence very small. So think about which role you usually play in a situation. Are you a victim of your circumstances or are you a hero on a mission to keep making steps of progress? Those with a victim mentality have a very large circle of concern and a very small circle of influence. Things are always happening to them. Heroes, on the other hand, are on a mission. Though, uh, you know, things happen to them, they're always enlarging and magnifying their circle of influence because they're the movers and the shakers. <laughs> no matter how many times they get knocked down, they keep getting back up and they keep taking steps forward towards progress. But here's the great thing about your mindset and how you think about things. You get to choose. And how you choose to think about things, people or situations, will directly affect your feelings. And your feelings will directly affect your actions. So, as your thoughts go, so will your feelings and actions follow. So write down some reframing statements or questions to help you zoom out of the current chaos, the current stressful situation that you're in at any given moment of the day. By learning to reframe your thoughts, you're going to be giving yourself extra doses of oxygen to breathe a little longer and breathe a little deeper. Now, some of the reframing questions I ask myself or things that just pop in my head in a situation are, what was the root cause of this? How did I contribute to this problem? Or did I? How can I zoom out to see the bigger picture? What can I actually control? What's the lesson I can learn from this? Now, I can't leave the first action of putting on the oxygen in your domain of self without warning you about the importance of separating your workday from your home life. 
You need to develop a wash off the workday routine so you don't carry all that figurative crap from the workday into your home and among your family. Your work environment may feel like it's in a nosedive, but that doesn't mean your family environment has to be in one too. So wash off the workday before entering your home or engaging with your family, and then develop boundaries once you're home. Do not be accessible 24 hours a day. Put your phone away and let people know that you can only be reached via the old-timey phone call if there's an emergency during non-working hours. Let them know you're not responding to email or texts. Now let's recap action one if you're currently working in a chaotic or dysfunctional organization. Lead in the domain of self by putting the oxygen mask on yourself. Remind yourself that your identity, purpose, and skills are bigger than your current title or paycheck. Learn how to zoom out and reframe your thoughts amongst the chaotic situations so that you're better able to respond and not react with big emotions or big actions. And finally, wash off the workday before going home and engaging with your family. The second area you can lead through to make a positive impact in helping your organization go from chaos to recovery and then from recovery to results, despite a lack of leadership at the upper levels, is to work through the domain of relationships. Now, positively impacting each working relationship that you have is the fuel to your rocket of influence. Because you can't have positive influence if nobody wants to follow you. (laughs) People follow people they like. So your relationships with others can propel your positive impact forward or it can stop it dead in the water. Why do relationships matter so much in the midst of chaos? Because beyond the experiences people have internally due to the chaotic work situation, most people immediately seek external support, affirmation, or validation from others. People are wired for connection and community, and they are wired for it even more so in times of trouble and crisis. People immediately look to see who's in their tribe of support to help them through a chaotic situation. Now, first, people want to check with their peers to see, hey, am I the only one experiencing this? Am I the only one having a negative or chaotic experience at work right now? So people are going to start talking. They're going to start texting. They're going to start having those parking lot meetings or those happy hours where they share their stories of pain from the chaotic work environment. People love to share their misery with others. And while sharing and venting is healthy, If it's continued over time, the current climate of stress and negativity can turn into a long-term toxic and negative work culture. Now, after sharing with their peers, people's level of frustration will have built up to a point that they want to vent all of their frustrations to their supervisor or boss. And ultimately, (laughs) they want their boss to fix the situation and provide them with relief. Remember, when people are experiencing pain points, they just want relief. Unfortunately, if an entire organization is part of a chaotic downward spiral, then an individual contributor's desire for change is a huge ask for their supervisor, especially if their supervisor isn't the one flying the plane into the hard nosedive. Maybe they're not even in the cockpit. Maybe they're at the back of the tail end of the plane. Okay, so let me tell a quick side story here. 
So I told you I worked for an organization where I had a constant turnover of bosses, which meant our goals and ways of working kept changing. It was so frustrating. And during one planning meeting specifically, I was facilitating this meeting. Our boss lost his temper. Y'all, he started yelling at everybody, and then he stormed out of the room and slammed the door behind him. Now, everyone in that room already felt like they were suffocating from our work culture and leadership but they felt like they just had their last breath knocked out of them by the way he reacted to that situation. So as a leader, right, I'm facilitating the meeting, like, how did I respond? Well, first, (laughs) in my head, I am Incredible Hulk, right? I am ticked off. But I knew I had to put the oxygen mask on myself. So in a very fast second, literally a split second, I told myself that, Our boss just acted like a freaking toddler, and I refuse to let his reaction affect me and how I support my team. So that happened in my mind. So I was emotionally able to remove my own emotion from that situation and start helping my coworkers put their own oxygen masks on. Now, with all the air sucked out of the room, I literally told them to look at me, look at me in the eyes. And while I can't remember exactly what I said, I do remember when this is how I typically respond in these situations. I respond in a very calm voice, calm but serious. And I told them to focus on the power of our team, that the moment we just experienced did not define us. And how in looking around the room, we have amazing coworkers and honestly, family. We had gone through trauma together as a family. And that we will work through this just like we have in the past. We're going to get through this hardship together. Now, going back to our lovely flight attendants training, if we experience turbulence or midair chaos after putting the mask on ourselves, we need to begin assisting others with their oxygen masks. And this is where your circle of influence can really expand exponentially with every interaction you have with every person you encounter during the chaotic workday. So listen to me. If your work environment is a hot freaking mess and everyone is running around hyped up with stress and emotions, chances are you're going to have a lot of big emotional reactions happening between people and it's only going to make matters worse. But you as a leader interact with a lot of people on a daily basis and how you engage can make a huge difference in helping others get a breath, right? They need that breath of fresh air. They need that oxygen flowing to help them think straight. So their encounter with you can help them feel like they're getting a breath of oxygen or their encounter with you can have them continuing to feel like they're being suffocated because of a lack of oxygen. Now, as Brene Brown says, and yes, I've mentioned this quote many times, but it's so true. In her book, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown says leaders must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to the fears and feelings or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. Let me say that again. It's such a good quote. Again, this is Brene Brown in her book, Dare to Lead. Leaders must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to fears and feelings or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. So you need to be intentional in attending to your people's fears and feelings. Now, in thinking about how you can assist others with their own oxygen masks, 
I want you to think through three ways that you can do this within your day-to-day interactions and relationships. First, if people are at the point of suffocation, think about how you can support them or hold them up. They need support because they're fixing to either pass out or jump from the plane. Second, if you're putting the mask on the person, then you need to think about how you can encourage them to breathe, actually suck in the airflow, (laughs) how to slow their panic and take deep breaths so they don't hyperventilate. And third, think about how you can coach them and how to assist others in putting on their own oxygen masks. So in leading in the domain of relationships during a chaotic work environment or crisis, think support, encourage, coach. Again, support, encourage, coach. Remember, essential leaders are always focused on the people side of things. So they need to support their people to keep them from suffocating from the chaos and the stress and to prompt them to progress. In a situation of a chaotic work environment, people will have a lot, (laughs) a lot, a lot, a lot of pent up frustration. So focus on a healthy way for them to let it out. Keeping thoughts and feelings bottled up inside the mind is an absolute recipe for an explosion later down the line. So think of emotionally safe and healthy ways for your people to vent their frustrations without it turning into a toxic or prolonged gripe session. So for example, as a leader, you can name the elephant in the room. And I strongly suggest you always say it. People are thinking it, just say it. Say the elephant in the room. I know we're experiencing a very difficult time in our company. I'd like to know what your experience is through this hard time. Just giving them a safe space to release their frustrations will help start the oxygen flow back to their thoughts, emotions, and actions. Now, second, Leaders need to encourage their people. They need to listen with empathy and learn to see from the employee's perspective and help them find a way to calm their panic and breathe again. Now, this doesn't mean you have to agree with the words being vented. It just means that you need to hear, understand, and acknowledge the way that they feel. And without being an overinflated optimist, (laughs) you do your best to reassure them of what is still good and what is still true. And depending on the situation in the room, you can often encourage others by modeling reframing to redirect the negative thoughts into a more positive direction of detachment or level of control. So for example, a great way to encourage people is to actively listen and acknowledge their pain points. For example, I heard you say that the breakdown of communication is causing you a lot of extra work because the demands of the work keep changing. That is so frustrating, and I understand why that is a huge pain point for you. So did you hear what I did? By acknowledging their experience, it is the equivalent to helping them take a deep breath because you're helping them feel seen, heard, and valued. Now third, if the environment is right, you can coach people to positive action. You can guide them in developing a game plan of progress for what is in their circle of influence. You can coach them through teaching them various leadership principles, strategies, or tactics. Chaos is often a great opportunity to model and teach great leadership. So for example, you can ask, do you mind if we break down this current situation into what are the root causes? I would like for both of us to walk away with a clear picture of what is actually causing this pain point and what can be done about it. Because the worst thing that can happen is for a problem to be exposed 
and no action to be taken towards a solution. I'm just so thankful that you've exposed the problem, and I'd love for you to be a part of the solution finding as well. So did you hear what I did? (laughs) I was teaching them about leadership and coaching through my questions, right? And now we're going to have a conversation to where they stop looking at just the problem and learn how to find solutions. So again, leading through the domain of relationships during a chaotic environment or crisis, I want you to think support, encourage, and coach. So how can these three actions within our relationships at work happen? Now, informally, you talk to so many people throughout the day. And so in those interactions informally, just be kind. Be an empathetic listener so that people feel safe to share. In other words, (laughs) be (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Always have a smile, and it's a my pleasure to serve you type of attitude. Now, formally, when you're engaging with your direct reports or team, be proactive and be intentional in your approach every time. Now, while the format and style of how you meet and engage with your direct reports will depend on how many people actually report to you, I'm going to give you a general format to follow. So first, you need to decide a format that will actually allow people to vent their frustrations in a safe way and in a safe place. Now, this could be one-on-one meetings, an anonymous survey, or very small team meetings. Keep it small and let people know ahead of time the purpose of the meeting so that they can prepare their thoughts, right? Ask them to identify specific problems and to brainstorm solutions on how to solve those problems. Always, always, always (laughs) ask a person who brings a problem to you what ideas they have for a solution. Now, second, make sure they know the time boundary for the meeting. And then you go first in naming the elephant in the room without being derogatory towards the company or any of its leaders. So for example, you could say, our company's going through growing pains or experiencing a tough market. Both of those are true statements, but it doesn't insult anyone. So as a leader, name the elephant. It just releases the pressure and makes them feel safe to be able to vent or share their frustrations. And third, take notes. (laughs) Listen, take notes. Listen, take notes. And then listen and take some more notes. If you talk mid-venting session, do not, oh, for the love of Pete, do not jump in and try to solve it. All right. If anything, if you have to jump in mid-venting session, let it only be asking them to elaborate on the situation. Right. Don't cut them off. Let them go. You can remind them of time, though. Now, a fourth thing, as they finish their venting session, you do need to respond, but don't react. Right. You always respond and you respond with encouragement. So put on your emotional intelligence cap and try to read the room. See how you need to respond. Now, when I personally am working through a crisis or chaotic moment and meeting with people for venting sessions, I ask myself, based on the current emotions of the person or the room, what type of ear do I need to have as a leader? Do I need to, one, just listen only? And that means to support and encourage them in that first meeting. Two, listen and coach. That means they vented and I can support and encourage their emotions. But their emotions have calmed down enough that they're probably receptive to some coaching now. Now, this is where you ask them to help you think through the root causes of the problem and possible solutions. And during these conversations, you get to model the big picture thinking of leadership. And sometimes you need that third ear. That's where you're going to listen, but you have to direct them specifically. If they reveal a well of a tail (laughs) and you need to handle it immediately, then sometimes as a boss, you have to give a directive on next steps. 
So for example, let's say everybody's stressed out, you know, it's just chaos, but you have two stressed out employees that lose their temper and they start cursing at each other. And one actually gets violent. All right, whenever you're listening about this situation for the first time, you do need to give a directive. You should direct the accosted individual to not engage at all with their peer while you investigate the situation. So to recap the first venting meeting, you need to really read the situation. Put that emotional intelligence cap on so that you know how you need to respond. One, listen only with support and encouragement. Two, listen with support and encouragement, but you can follow up with coaching. Or three, listen with support and encouragement and follow up with a directive. Now, having been in the chaotic organization, remember, I went through those five bosses in six years. I have three warnings for you (laughs) while working to support, encourage, and coach others through the turmoil. These are definitely three lessons I've learned. First, when people vent, we as the listener naturally feel like we need to solve the problem right then and there. But you need to reframe your thoughts and emotions. Don't feel the need to solve the person's problem in the moment. Instead, think. Do I need to own this problem? Think if this problem is within the person's circle of influence. If the problem is within the person's circle of influence, then no, you don't need to own the problem. And I'm going to confess a quick and yes, somewhat internally sarcastic and funny mantra that I say to myself in this situation. I got it from my husband, not my circus, not my monkeys. (laughs) So if they are venting and you have determined they have a circle of influence, then you can internally say that to yourself, but you definitely would never say that out loud. (laughs) You would instead coach them so that they can see and own and work to solve the problem that they're having. And again, you can do this by asking them what ideas they have to solve the problem. And through brainstorming together, you can help them, you can coach them and have them leaving your office feeling more confident in what their next step is going to be. Now, If the problem in the venting session is outside the person's circle of influence, but it is within yours, then yes, you probably need to own the problem. Now, if this is the case, you still don't need to feel like you have to solve it right then and there. You can say something that you'll regret or you're going to make a promise that you can't deliver on. So instead, remember that the best leaders don't react, they respond. So give yourself time to think through how to respond. If you do need to own the problem that they're revealing, you can say something like, let me think about this, or, hey, can you please send me blank so that I can look into this more? And remember, leaders, you can always use the time that you've bought yourself to phone a friend and ask for leadership advice. So that was the first warning. The first warning is don't feel like you have to solve the problem right then and there. Now, the second warning (laughs) comes from discovering the difference in being a supportive leader and being a crutch for complaining and inaction. Yes, you want to listen, support, encourage, and coach your people. But each individual will take up as much time as you allow them. And well, you only have so much time in your workday. And you lead more people than just that one person. So you need to be proactive and intentional in supporting your people's venting sessions by structuring it. Remember, they need a platform to share their frustration safely, but if you let these meetings happen organically, it's going to lead to a huge time suck on your workday where people just pop in for a minute and leave an hour later, or they're going to text or call you after working hours when you're with your family. 
All the pop-in meetings and after-hour conversations are going to take up huge chunks of your time and cause you to be less productive, and it's also going to add more stress to your plate. So be proactive in scheduling it, and you can put a beginning and ending time on the meeting. Your priority is still people, but there's no reason why you can't be efficient in how you focus and spend time with people. Okay, the third warning, and honestly, this needs to be one of the first things you coach your people on. The third warning is to always know that whatever you say in that meeting or one-on-one will be repeated. Almost like a bad game of telephone from our childhood, people will always share their stories or information that they're privy to. So as a great general rule of thumb, never say anything that you wouldn't say again in front of everyone. Whatever you say will, I promise, it will get out. So make sure the words that come out of your mouth are words that you would say to any person's face. Now, I understand that you need to vent. You need to vent to your spouse, your best friends, or leaders above you. Never, ever vent to level peers or below because it's going to cause turmoil for you. Okay, to recap action two, if you're currently working in a chaotic or dysfunctional organization, lead in the domain of relationships by helping others put on their oxygen masks. Provide support for your team by creating a format or a platform to safely share their frustrations. Don't let it build. Empathetically listen and then encourage your fellow team members. And when the time is right, use the opportunity to coach them in leadership so that they can in turn help others with their oxygen masks. And remember the three warnings. Don't feel the need to solve the problem in the moment. Structure the support so it doesn't take more time than it needs. And always speak in such a way that when your words are repeated, you're not ashamed of them. Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue this journey of how to lead in a chaotic or dysfunctional organization by zooming out further in those domains of impact to talk about leading in the culture and organization at large. Yes, (laughs) next time, we're going to discuss how you lead up the food chain. It's coming. So for those of you going through what feels like a nightmare at work, remember to put your oxygen mask on yourself. And in the end, I want to encourage you leaders with this. While leading within an organization that is in the midst of chaos because of a lack of structure, communication, or upper-level leadership, it's extremely difficult. But it's going to teach you some of the most valuable leadership lessons you will ever learn. While they feel like a thousand needles stabbing you right now, I need you to know the tattoo of leadership lessons that you will now forever have will become your flagship of greatness in leadership. So now I want to leave you with this quote from Shakespeare in the Twelfth Night or Teddy Roosevelt in the Night of the Museum movie. (laughs) Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And some have greatness thrust upon them. During this chaotic time in your organization, you, my friend, are having greatness and leadership thrust upon you. So lead well, my friend. Lead well. Until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks. The essential rocks. God bless. Remember, The most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. 
Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, <laughs> and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us.